Art of War. Chapter Seven: Contending Armies. Master Swin says, in general, the rule for mobilizing and deploying troops is this: the commander receives his orders from the ruler, at which point he assembles his armies by gathering multitudes. He forges them into a well-coordinated unit, and then he makes camp facing the enemy. No task is more demanding than the contest between armies, whose difficulty lies in straightening a winding path and turning trouble to one's own advantage. Make the enemy follow a circuitous route and lure him on with offers of benefits, and you will arrive before him, even if you set out later. This is a case of understanding how to use devious rather than direct tactics. So the contest between armies can bring profit or peril. If you mobilize your entire force, thinking by this to secure some advantage, you will surely be too late to reap it. On the other hand, if you abandon part of your army in hopes of securing some advantage, you will surely lose your equipment and supply wagons. For this reason, if the commander, scheming to win some advantage, has his army pack up its armor and set off in haste, stopping neither day nor night, force marching at double time for a hundred leagues, then commanders in the three armies will all be taken hostage, the strong will be forced out in front, and the tired lag behind. So, by this method, only one tenth of the army will arrive on time. But. If the army travels only fifty leagues a day to vie for an advantage, then you will likely lose only one good commander, and by this method, half your force will arrive on time. Traveling only thirty leagues a day means fully two thirds of the force will arrive on time. By any reckoning, an army lacking its supply wagons will perish, as will an army lacking provisions or an army that fails to commandeer supplies methodically along the way. So, if you don't know the designs of the local lords, you cannot predict how best to engage them. And if you don't know the local topography—the mountains, forests, ravines, marshes, and wetlands—you won't know where to march your troops. Nor can you take full advantage of the local terrain unless you use local guides. Therefore, troops rely on deception to gain ground, moving only after the advantages have been calculated. Their formations suddenly divide and rejoin units. By such means, do the troops become swift like the wind, yet calm like trees in a forest. And by such means, do they consume like a raging fire, while remaining as unmoved as a mountain. They become as hard to fathom as shadowy forms and as startling as thunderclaps. When plundering the countryside, divide your numbers, and when extending your territory. Divide the spoils generously. Weigh the pros and cons before making any move. Whoever knows both the devious and direct tactics in advance will surely triumph. This is the rule for the contests between armies. The army regulations states: Because commands cannot be heard in battle, use drums and gongs. Because units cannot readily identify one another in battle. Use flags and pennants. Drums, gongs, flags, and pennants are the means to coordinate men's ears and eyes. 
Once the men are of one heart and mind, the brave will not be able to advance on their own initiatives, nor the cowardly retreat. This is the best way to manage the masses of men. Thus, in night, battles make extensive use of torches and drums, whereas in battles during the day, make extensive use of flags and pennants. These are the tools that can alter men's perceptions. The three armies can be demoralized and their commanders made to lose heart. Now, in the morning, the enemy's morale is high. By noon, it begins to flag. By evening, the enemy feels drained. Thus, to command morale, the commander who is expert at deploying troops avoids the enemy when he is high-spirited, but he strikes when their energies are flagging. To command hearts and minds, he meets the enemy's disorder with good order and his panic with utter calm. To command the utmost physical power, he confronts the enemy who has come from afar on a battlefield near him, pitting his own well-rested and well-fed troops against exhausted and starving enemy troops. Do not intercept an enemy whose array of banners is perfectly uniform. Do not attack an enemy whose flags are in perfect order and whose formations are disciplined. By such means, the commander can master the whole range of contingencies. Therefore, the rules of deploying troops are these. Do not attack an enemy who has the high ground. Do not go against an enemy that has his back to a hill. Do not follow an enemy that feigns retreat. Do not attack the enemy's crack troops. Do not take the enemy's bait. Do not stop an army on its way home. When surrounding the enemy, leave him a way out. Do not press an enemy who feels cornered. These are the rules for deploying troops. <laughs>